I am no preacher. I thought that only be half a dozen people here tonight. That's why I said I would do it. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for coming. Um, I'm one of you stepping out in faith to do what God has called me to do. I'm a small group leader. That's my comfort zone. So I'm way out of my comfort zone right now. But tonight we are going to look at Jonah chapter 2. So let's pray. God, we want you to reveal yourself to us tonight. Speak to us through your word. Challenge us. Grow us to the be, be the people that you want us to be. Now I have to confess, I've been wanting to run away a lot lately. Just like Jonah. But Jonah actually did run away. Flight is my initial reaction to problems, difficulties, situations that I don't want to deal with. But I have been pressing into God and he is so good. Let me assure you, he is so good. Um, God is taking me deeper in my relationship with him and teaching me new attitudes and yes, through difficult situations. I find it quite amazing, but I shouldn't, that God would bring this sermon series at this time because it's really challenged me. Now, Jenny did a great presentation on Chapter 1 last week, and I, you probably all weren't here, uh, so I hope you will bear with me tonight because I'm nothing like Jenny can present. But let's... Um, do a quick review. Um, Jonah was literally running away from what God asked him or commanded him to do. And that's what chapter 1 was about. Actually, I think I'm going to read it from my notes, but you can read it from up there because it's a bit easier for me to read here. Then they cried out. So this is the last part of chapter 1, so it gives us an idea of where Jonah is at. Then they cried out to the Lord. Now that's they being the other sailors on the ship. Uh, To Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days. And three nights. So Jen's points from last week were God will often ask us to do what we don't want to. You can always find a boat going in the wrong direction. God may send a storm to grab your attention. And Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. So let's look at Jonah's prayer. 
Then Jonah prayed. So this is chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Oops, I have to keep an eye on that, that it does go. So let's dig in to Jonah's prayer. So it says Jonah prayed. So finally he did what? He prayed. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Jonah hadn't prayed yet, not on the ship, in the storm, when the sailors were praying to their gods, but Jonah knew the storm was his fault. How often do we leave calling on God until we're desperate? It should be the first thing we do, but it's often the last when we can no longer handle the situation ourselves. In the belly of the fish, God finally had Jonah's attention and Jonah prays. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. Note that out of my distress, he did what? I called to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He answered me. Pause and think about that for a moment. Can you even start to grasp what it means to us that we have the ability to call on the God of the universe, the creator and the sustainer, the one who spoke and hung the stars in in the sky? who created the heavens and the earth and all the galaxies that exist. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, the supreme judge, the holy one, 
the one who is all-knowing and ever-present and all-powerful, that God. We can call on him and he will answer us. Jonah called on him after he basically just said, forget you God. And God still in his mercy answered him. Think about that. Don't let that point, don't let the power of that pass you by. We can call on God and he'll answer. And you may say to me, I do call on God and he doesn't answer me. And I understand that. But please bear with me in this. Don't shut down just yet. So point one is pray first. Don't leave it until you're desperate. And then look at the next part of the verse. He says, I called for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. This word can be translated as the realm of the dead, the grave, or the hell. Or hell. From the depths of hell. In other words, he's saying, from the point in which I was furthest from God, from the place where I was miserable and had no way to contribute, from the place where I was helpless and desperate and afraid and hurting from, I called on God. Some of you would say, from the depths of Sheol in my heart, everything on the outside seems fine, but inwardly I'm depressed and I'm hurting and I'm afraid and I've got this anxiety and something's just not right. And everything seems right, but inside it's not. From the depths of an inward Sheol, I called on God and he answered me. When I had no place to turn, I called on God and he answered me from the deepest, darkest place. When I needed him most and I deserved him the least, he was there for me. That's rich stuff. He's saying, I was as good as dead. I was completely in my own power, helpless. I couldn't contribute a thing. But I was not hopeless because God, even though I did not deserve his love and mercy, God was still on the throne, still hearing me through the pain and the agony He could cause me to rise from the dead so I could be born again. At any point in this story, God could have delivered him in any number of ways and at various times in the story as well. But God sends a fish. All through this miracle, you can see the different places where God was working. A lot of times we will say, God, I want you to do this. Whatever it is, fill in the blank, I'm sure you can. 
and God doesn't do this and we get freaked out. Don't neglect and don't overlook all the little things that God may be doing on the way to this, whatever that is for you. Watch as God works. God may have you on a 10-phase healing process because if you don't go through the first nine, you're not going to learn the things that God wants you to learn. You may be on phase four going, God, where's phase ten? Don't forget to look back and go one, two, three. Ah, look what you did. And look what you did there, God. And look what you did there. Oh, I can see how you're working and how you're moving. We need to do that. God, through phases, leads us and teaches us, redirects us, guides us, heals us, corrects us and convicts us until he leads us to his ultimate will. Don't forget to embrace the phase and celebrate the works of God as he leads you to his ultimate destiny. So point two, God's phases, he's growing us in Christ. Jonah in a fish, God's got his attention. That kind of summarises the events in verses 3, 4, 5 and 6. Jonah says, For you had cast me into the deep. Now technically, it was the sailors who did this. But Jonah very wisely recognised the hand of God behind everything. Into the very heart of the seas and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Okay, he's in big trouble here. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. In other words, there was no physical hope for Jonah. This is game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. I'm a dead man. And then he says, But you have brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. All of a sudden, in Jonah 2, because of the interaction of God, things shift and we see him starting to go back. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Don't forget the but God moments. 
Remember all things are possible with God. When Jonah was at a point where every physical thing said, you will never survive this, but God, but the God of the universe, I called on him and he heard my cry and he brought up my life from the pit. He goes on to say this, he said in verse 7, while I was fainting away, what did he do? I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. It did what? It came to God in his holy temple. So he's saying when my life was flashing before me, I remembered God. Then in the next verse he shifts his tone. And I've done a couple of different versions here because I... It's a really hard verse for me to get my head around. Remember, he was a prophet. He declared prophetic truth. And that's what he does right now. And you can hear the seriousness of his tone. It's as if from the deepest point in his life, he is warning those readers of his time and warning us. He's warning those readers of his time and warning us today and he's saying basically whatever you do don't do what I did whatever you do don't run from God whatever you do don't neglect him and don't disobey him so he's saying here those who regard vain or worthless idols forsake their faithfulness or in another version it's those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them or in another version they forfeit the grace that could be theirs it means very literally the pursuing love of God that's what grace means God pursues us it's his pursuing love So those who cling to the stupid things of this world, that do not matter. They are unable to receive the grace of God. That's what he's saying there. Some commentators say Jonah is being very judgmental here. So I guess my my third point is treating others is our mission and we've got to be careful about that. So let's check the attitude we sometimes have toward our unsaved neighbours or the people we work with? Do you judge and condemn your co-workers or neighbours for being immoral? Do we feel superior to them because we are Christians and they are not? Is that the witness God wants us to have? The only reason we are Christians is because of the grace of God in our lives. It has nothing to do with anything that we have done. We are going to heaven only because God was gracious to us. If we treat others as if they are rubbish, why would they want to become one of us? How do you live and what do you say to non-Christians, how you live and what you say to non-Christians can determine whether or not 
they will ever be interested in coming to church with you or listening to a presentation of the gospel. Watch what you say and what you do and what attitudes you have. They matter more than you know. We're nearly to the end. Then remember this. As we read this closing verse, what's the last couple of verses? Um, Jonah was in the fish and there was nothing that he could do to contribute to his salvation. He couldn't go and sacrifice an innocent animal and make a sacrifice to God. He couldn't give money at the temple. He couldn't go and do good works. He couldn't help feed the poor. He couldn't do any kind of physical work to contribute to him getting out of that fish. And I want you to remember that he couldn't do anything. And read, and this next voice is in that context, that verse is in that context. At the end of verse 9, he said something that I hope you'll hear in a way that you have never heard before. Basically, he says, salvation is from... Whom? Salvation is from the Lord. Just checking that I'm on the right side. Um, That's where salvation comes from. It's from God. It's not from you. It's not from your works. It's not from doing good things or not doing bad things. The New Testament says it this way, for it is by grace, by the grace of God that you are saved. It's never ever by your own works. That way you can't brag about it. It's the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from the Lord. When you recognise that, when you recognise that it cost God his son, Jesus, who shed his blood, And you can be saved because of what Jesus did. That's why it's good news. You can't bring anything to it. And when you recognise that, your only reasonable response is, here is my life, now you take it. So, our last point is salvation is from God alone. Then in verse 10 he says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, And it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. It's kind of disgusting, isn't it? (laughs) But it is very powerful and it drives home the thought that I hope will echo in your hearts for the rest of your, your lives and our lives. And that is this. Whether you are on top of the world or whether you are in the depths of Sheol or hell or despair, When you call on the Lord, he will answer you. It may not be the answer you want, but it will be the next phase to his ultimate will. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I think we all here confess that we are sinners. We need a saviour. Jesus, save us. Make us new. We believe you died for us 
so that we could live for you. Fill us with your spirit. Change our lives. It now belongs to you. Thank you for the new life that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.